everybody. Welcome to the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast. My name is Brian Sobolewski. I'm your host. Welcome to episode 18, the Lady Die interview. Uh, you are about to hear a recorded call that I made. Uh, will sound a lot like the dad calls that I used to make. Audio, little off, but you'll get the gist of it. I uh, can't have Diana in front of me right now. She's 2,200 miles away. But stay tuned for us to do follow-up interviews, because once you hear the things that uh, that we're coming up with, that, that we're discovering as I start the investigate, investigative process into our arrests, into the investigations. This is really tough stuff. It's tough because uh, Cambridge alone, which should have the bulk of the information about the Sobolewski family and the robberies, that is where the Middlesex County state police barracks is and Middlesex County is huge but Essex County we did robberies in we did robberies in multiple counties so that's where you know that's the hub of where statewide state police jurisdiction uh, lies so and then from there I got to go around to each municipality I got to go to Nashua I got to go to Peabody I got to go to all these police stations and find out what their policy is on keeping records and whether or not I can get those. Now, the Freedom of Information Act is should allow me to say, hey, I would like any and all information. <laughs> but now we're going to get a good idea of how much, you know, should they keep these records? I don't know. I don't know. Like, there would... Cambridge said they'd destroy all records prior to 2005 except for rape and murder. So, you know, I guess I just picked the wrong crimes, huh? you know. But, uh... My friend Diana is going to end up being, you know, integral in, in, in getting um, some information together for, you know, potential timelines to, de- to be developed and, and for presenting this potentially to, to media sources that could make this into an entertainment something. So that's what you're going to hear. I also have comedy. Guys, the show that I did, that none of what you're about to hear is my comedy. We did a very, very special show at Doghouse on Friday that you'll see on the third month of every month. <laughs> on the third Friday of every month. Wow. And it's a show where it, you, you won't be able to see the topic that is up on the back of the board, but the, the whole show premise is that Casey got a hold of our set lists and uh, he's going to put them up on the board and, and th- that's sort of what, how we're playing it to the audience, but... So whatever flashed up on that board, I had to act as if it was something I sat down and wrote a 20-minute bit about. And some of them were, you know, one of what you'll hear is I got a, one of mine was a Great White Shark Tank, I think was one. And I did an impression of Bruce from Finding Nemo. The other one was first draft names for Twitter. And I said twat. So, so... <laughs> Spoiler alert, but you're going to you're going to hear a very special show, a really cool show, one that could have run or gone, you know, completely awry. But it was such a great uh, comedy muscle flexing activity because we comedians go up with our material. My brain constantly wanted to tell him the meth joke. Try to tie that into the shark tank, which it didn't. But that's the comedian brain saying, oh, I have prepared material. And every comedian smashed it. So. I posted this on the Brian Sobolewski Facebook page. You can go watch the whole show video um, on YouTube. I think it's on Sick Puppies or Doghouse, but I put a link to it to my Facebook page. So that is what you're going to hear at the end of this episode. Uh, So you'll hear the call 
Uh, you'll hear the comedy afterwards, and uh, that will wrap up episode 18. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to get right to the call so you guys can hear that. It'll go right into the comedy, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, stay tuned, because like I said, she, you know, Diana filed with New Hampshire to get paperwork. Today, I filed with Massachusetts to get paperwork. So, you know, the next couple episodes, let's comb through it, man. Let's see what we find out. Let's see if we can find out some things that they were thinking that they were wrong about. What were they right on about? If we can get any of that paperwork, boy, am I excited. I'm really excited for this, so. Guys, enjoy the call, enjoy the comedy. I will talk to you next week for episode 19. Um, take care. Hey, that was quick. Oh. They, um, slower? Well, no, I haven't used this app. The last time I used this app was to, um, was to call Dad. So I have dozens of Dad calls. I've put most of the interesting ones on the podcast, but I have a bunch of them that are just him complaining about Kev and how hard it is to take care of them and it just got there. I mean it was every call yeah well, so it got a little redundant mm-hmm. so welcome welcome to the show um, well thank you thank you very much the, the, this is episode I'm, I'm, I'm the one never spoken of <laughs> what's that I'm the one never spoken of uh, what do you mean well I'm I've, just the one never spoken of nobody knows about me that's true. That is true. Um, I'm a secret weapon. Uh, <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, Diana is one of my oldest friends, probably my oldest. Uh, you you beat out Patty by, geez, you knew me before I went into rehab. You knew me. Uh, let's say, wh- when did you start Hesser College? Well, I'm pretty sure it was. Early 1991. Okay, see that makes sense because I think I think we met about a little bit less than a year before our first robbery. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you before the robberies, and I didn't even know that you were doing the robberies when you were doing the robberies, and we were like besties. So yeah, well, yeah. everybody knew. Every every we told everybody. Kevin and I did not keep it secret to our circle of friends, and I kept it from you because I was sure you would uh, you would rat us out. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, it's typical that I'm always last to know. <laughs> I will say uh, that. You know, I didn't. I you know, I didn't necessarily think you'd go to the cops. I just thought you'd punch my dad right in the face. <laughs> that yes, absolutely. So yeah, that well, that is what. <laughs> Because Bri was my best friend, and I didn't, I didn't like anybody messing with Bri. So you know, yeah, I, my job was to care about Bri, and anybody that messed with Bri, then you know, I didn't like that. I was going to protect you. And clearly, Bri couldn't uh, take care of himself. So, uh, that <laughs> well, is, that is clear. More about who I was as a person. I just, I take on that sort of protective role, and yeah, uh, your dad. What did, what did you take at Hesser College? legal studies. So that is that where you ended up becoming a paralegal? Yeah, well, I wasn't officially a paralegal. I was a legal assistant most of my life. So I was you in there. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a lot like training because I started training back in 1985 and certifications didn't become a thing 
until the 90s. That's when it was like, okay, well, if you're going to be a trainer here, you have to be certified. But if you knew three exercises and can write them down on a piece of paper, you were a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were there, back then. I don't think you can take like legal secretarial studies anymore. I don't. I don't think it falls under that <clears throat> category anymore. But back then, you could get a degree in that, and um, and that's what mine was. And I did try to double major to do court. Oh my reporting. god! Oh my god! You see, you see, you were just so motivated and so smart, and there, there were multiple reasons why I latched on to you, Hesser. But um, just just real quick, um, you you have had multiple careers from what we just talked about to actually being a police officer, which I find hilarious. <laughs> um, and and might very well be, you know, I might have told you, geez, there were two secrets that I had from you, and we can get into the first one later. But um, the robberies, you know, once you started, once you you did that in North Carolina, correct? Yeah, so that's that's the funny thing is like <clears throat> I I always had that sort of desire to help people and you know for me it was being a police officer was that, that that was the way to help people in my mind and um, so legal the legal theme was sort of what I was drawn to um, and so being a legal assistant was sort of my father's way of. You know, I was a woman, and in his mind, I was supposed to be a secretary. So, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. Woo. So he chose the Like, college. he said this to you? Like, he said these oh, words yeah. to you? Well, no, that was just his mentality. That was his, yes, that was his mentality. It was wow. very, yeah, very old school, very, very, um, you know, I, I remember sitting at the table having to write letters for him. Um, and because he wasn't, you know, he couldn't spell so, you know, for him, that was, you know, back then, the way that he was raised, women were respected in that role if they were going to work. That, that, that was the role because they were smart. They could spell. They could talk. They could use big words, things like that. Like, he was very always impressed with if I used – to me, it wasn't a big word, but to him it was a big word. He, you know, yeah, if, he can't spell, if he can't spell, there's a lot of big words. Yeah. So um, – <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was something that was I was guided to going to that school, and you know it was also what he could afford to pay for. So I ended up going to that school, and then um, when I moved to North Carolina, I had the desire to become a police officer. So that's that's what I did, and that's when you were, <laughs> you know, we're still in touch very very often. Like we were still talking and stuff. Yeah, um, I visited you while you were. You visited, I, I was, so, so any desire that I had to tell you that what we were doing and and what was going on with the robberies uh, was halted. I think at that point I didn't. I probably and I please forgive me for using hindsight and making myself seem deeper than I really was back then because I was about as deep as a puddle. Um, but but. But I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to put you in a position where, oh shit, you know, there's crimes being committed, and you would have to, you would have to report that. I mean, you, you would think that there would be an ethical code that bound you to to do something about that. You also knew that I was that my moral compass was very high, anyway. So. Yeah, and I knew you had a gun. I thought you'd shoot me right in the foot. There you go. That's <laughs> that's that's for being I, an idiot. I could never shoot you. I might, I might, like, you know manhandle you a little bit but i would never shoot you <laughs> is it is it I'm is it weird that i want to be tased 
<laughs> you don't want to like, be paid. I want to know what it feels like. No, I want to know what it feels like because I think if everyone knows what it feels like, it will curtail their behavior in public just that amount that we, you know, people might start waving, using their blinkers. Um, No one down here driving, when you let them go, waves, and it makes me absolutely insane. I could choke a kitten. (laughs) But those are... Those are are just my issues. Okay, so how long were you actually a cop? Let me just tell you this. When you go through basic training, right, They, they, you have to be pepper sprayed. So <laughs> this was the thing. When I, I was so deathly afraid of being pepper sprayed, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Well, little did anybody know I was actually pregnant. Right, oh. after I, yeah, right after I got hired, I found out I was pregnant. Now, my ex-husband was in the military, as you know, and <clears throat> so we were in both high um, – um, what you call it? Um, high stress. Well, high, like high, like in, in jobs that was like, there was a high rate of um, the possibility of either of us being killed. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, yeah. Uh, so for me, when once I found out that I was pregnant, the job of the role of be, being a police officer was very scary for me. It, it, it suddenly became frightening like okay that's, a, that's an amazing point that's an amazing point and i think people have to realize that that those you know whatever you think about the blue wall and what's going on right now these people their worst day at work people die right exactly you know what i mean that's not yeah. that doesn't happen at your work like you're not sitting in a cubicle right now and you're like oh sure i hope nobody gets shot today or dies it doesn't exactly. happen but it, right yeah. but i had this, you know, I also had another a human being to think about that I was growing in, in, in my stomach. And oh, I, that's gross. That's I, gross. Stop it. I that's disgusting. I <laughs> You know what I mean. But anyway, I, I remember being, I remember going on, I was with my FTO, my field training officer, and I remember going on a call for a domestic. And I remember standing in the situation. Now, I'm new. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm scared out of my mind. And I'm in the uniform. I have a gun on my hip. And these people are in a heightened state of just emotional, you know, this emotional high and all over the place and spewing things back and forth. And I remember just thinking to myself, if this becomes physical and somebody kicks me, I could yeah. lose my, my baby. You know what I mean? And so that was very, like, frightening to me. And now I was so, I was so new and I didn't want to give this up but at the same time. I, if they, if they found out, I was afraid of the repercussions, um, but they wanted to take me off the streets. Um, you know, that's what they do when you, they find out you're pregnant. But anyway, getting back to the pepper spray thing, they, nobody knew that I was pregnant. And so I was going to have to do this pepper spray spraying. And so that forced me to have to tell them because I was going to try to not tell them as long as I could, but that forced yeah. me to have to I wasn't sure what the pepper spraying thing would do. And, you know, I didn't really want to do it anyway, but I would have, if I wasn't pregnant, I would have just gone through it, but they wanted you to have to know what it felt like, you know what I mean? And, and experience it. But, um, so I never ended up being pepper sprayed, <laughs> but I wasn't, um, a I wow. remember getting in, I remember going on calls and details. And I, one of the things that frightened me the most is I'm very directionally challenged. And I remember going, <laughs> getting we got a call and I remember going on our way to this call, and my STO 
literally pulled over, got out of the car, said, get out of the car, made me get out of the car, pulled out this big, humongous freaking map, put it on top of the hood, and says, tell me where we're going. I was like, wow. There's people that need us right now. You don't want me telling us where we have to go because I have no freaking clue. Like, I don't know how to read this map. Like, don't put this on me because these people will never get help. <laughs> so Amazing. It, was, it was, yeah, it was very, very frightening. And, uh, and those were some of the experiences right off the bat that, that happened to me. So I wasn't very long because I did become pregnant with my daughter. And um, she was our little blessing. And because we were both in high um, – high-profile jobs in terms of being able to die in our role, I yeah. found that, you know, with my ex being in the military, that, you know, that wasn't something that he was going to be able to not do. That was our right. main butter. And um, so I ended up having to just back out of it and just I became a mom. So so that was the story of of me being the cop. But getting back to you and I, um, yeah, I had no idea. Like, I became a cop, and you were the criminal, and I had no idea you were the criminal mm-hmm. because me, Brian, Bossy, <laughs> Big Heart, like, my best friend, like, you know, Bry was Bry, and I had no idea that you – I knew that you are I knew that, you know, I knew I really wasn't fond of your dad and your brother, but I – that was just from stories that you had told me and, and just meeting Kev the couple times that I did, but oh. I – you know, I I had no idea that it was to extent until you actually went to prison. And I don't even remember, Bri, how that came up that you were going to prison. Like, I don't remember how you told me. All I remember is, you know, writing back and forth. You didn't see the um. You didn't see any of the news reports because that's no, the. No, I, I, I wouldn't. You know, because you were arrested um, when. I was arrested December twenty sixth of nineteen ninety five. Yeah. So. Mariah had just been born. Actually, that's funny because we were we were back home because Mariah was um, she was baptized and we were back home for her baptism in December. Now, so just so people know, um, because I get a lot of people that listen from uh, southern New Hampshire on the podcast, it's, it's probably the number three state that listens to the podcast. So um, you grew up where? So I originally was born in Lowell, grew up in Malden until I, I was about 11, and then we moved to uh, Windham, New Hampshire. and then Oh, Malden, Malden. Malden, <laughs> Malden, yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um so yeah so i was a city kid for a little while and then we moved to the country and um and then i went to pinkerton so was my my ex-husband i met when i was 15 so i was at his house quite often so i always say i grew up in windham Derry area um because yeah. i was at his house a lot and then i lived in manchester as well um you know I worked in Manchester because I met you at the Farnham Center a lot during my lunch break yeah. to visit. Outside so, the window. No, I, I, you, you, this, so this was back when I was in rehab. Diana yeah. would come, and I would be up in my second-floor window. I would open it up just to just to chat for two seconds um, yeah. and just to see a normal face. It was such a good break. <laughs> yeah, and you came out because I talked to you a couple times. You would come out sometimes. Um, yeah, I wasn't supposed to do that. I think I could have got kicked out for that, but. Sometimes well, a hug is worth it, Matt. 
But yeah, I would sometimes you, you got to go the extra mile for that hug. I mean, how lucky were we though, Brian? Really, because I really literally worked what two blocks because that was Hanover and, and Elm, right? Yeah, Hanover and yeah. Elm. Yeah. And that's where I worked. I worked on the corner of Hanover Elm. I walked up two blocks to see you on my lunch break. You'd open the window, and we would talk. And I could have sworn that we sat on the on the corner there a couple times. Maybe you got permission. Did you get special permission? No. Maybe they were I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't get special permission for anything ever. <laughs> there were times, there were certain Fridays that we walked across the street to the AA meeting that was in the church and but other than that it was locked you people from the street couldn't get in but we could leave yeah. any time so that door was going to lock behind me so honestly I don't remember if there were times that I could have gone out but um well no, they were pre- like, it was pretty locked down you t- it totally would have been like you to take a hug <laughs> so um but yeah that we were really lucky we couldn't get there yeah, anymore for there yeah. and I or two blocks down the street, and we could see each other um, during the breaks. But um, yeah, I mean, I was I was all for you know I was all for your recovery and stuff like that. So any way I could support you. Yeah, <laughs> and I lived with you briefly after that. Where? When? And you in- had this little one bedroom apartment oh, on the second yes. floor in Manchester. The house was yellow, I think. Yes, it was. Uh, that was my boss's, my boss, who I still keep in touch with, um, from my first job ever. Um, it was his, his rental. And that was the first place I ever lived after I moved out of my house. And now I can't even remember the name of the street. But, That's yep. Weird. I came there, too. Yep, you were there. <laughs> and, did I have a cat at the time? What, did I have a kitty? I don't remember a cat. I was uh, in some emotional turmoil, so whether or not there was a uh, feline present is escapes my memory. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm super super excited to talk about the stuff that that you found out today and the stuff that you did. So I just want to catch the audience up because they know I've talked about the producers that I've uh, spoken had a couple conversations with. Um, they basically put it in my hands. They said, Hey, uh, as the producers, we were having a very difficult time sort of getting, uh, substantive evidence to claim back up some of the claims that you're making. Now they can find all the information in the world that at least six robberies were done. Cause that's what my dad went away for. They know, and you know, four from my brother and they caught me for one, but they're sort of looking to develop a timeline for when somebody that may purchase this would come up with questions like, hey, how do we know the validity of this? So we're just, I'm just trying to piece together for them as close as I can, as detailed as I can, and from as many agencies as I can, um, any information that, that could, um, could do that. So you spent some time on the phone today uh, trying to start that process for me, which I love you for. Uh, I'm dying to hear about it. Like, how did they treat you? What did you ask? Like, I can't wait. Well, I mean, I got passed around a couple times, first of all. Um, I think I went through three people when I called Nashua. Um, no kidding. Out. So you called the Nashua Police Department? Yep. Okay. And uh, very nice. You know, they were very nice. And I just um, told them I was investigating um, – um, I was investigating – some some crimes that happened back in the 90s 
for um, a documentary, and could I possibly get the records for the um, any investigative records, reports, notes, anything like that, copies of them. I told him that um, that uh, you know be happy to pay for the copies and that there would be a substantial donation made. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just listen. <laughs> the I don't fund, care. I'm just kidding. I didn't. I didn't say that. But um, I thought about it. But um, no, I just and then they just passed me around. And then by the third time, I got the right person, and I repeated the story the, the same way. And then they just said, they you know they did question who I was a couple different times, like who are you again? What is this for? And I just said, um, you know, I'm I'm doing this investigative story, background check, whatever, and looking for information um, to substantiate that this actually happened. And she said, yeah, just just send us a, a request to be a fax, and, uh, and we'll see what we can get. So, did, did, did you do that yet, or do you want well, me to I do Well, I don't it? have a fax. I don't know anybody that does, <laughs> but um, I'll work on it. And then okay. when I called Cambridge, um, they basically told me that they don't keep the records. Um, that long. Okay, so so from here, um, do you think that there'd be any way for you to reach out to Detective Sprinkle? Could you leave him a message? Do they know where he is? Because that might be just a regular interview. You might just be like, "Hey, what do you remember about the case?" What you know, he might have. He might be able to dig up stuff if if he knew. You know, this was an interview for something that you could eventually see somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if the people like I would think that the people doing the series would want him to be involved in right? it, right? I mean, yeah, the, yeah. Howard Weiss was the assistant attorney general that handled the case for Massachusetts, which was a multi-jurisdictional case. So all those jurisdictions would have to put paperwork in that would contribute to Howard's case when he stood in front of the judge. So I would imagine the a state attorney general's office has the multitude of of this stuff. Scott Harshbarger was the attorney general at the time, and Howard Weiss was the att- assistant attorney general, and he handled the whole case. Well, what I was told was that they don't keep records for those like armed robbers and stuff like that. They don't. They destroy them. Unbelievable. And, uh, but I we I talked about with you before that you know even sure. if you know a detective was savvy enough to actually collect their notes and then get them into the file. Oh. Like, you got to think about that. You know what I mean? They would literally right, be right. like, where are those notes? I took those notes. You know, let me get those in the file. They would have to be good enough to do that. Right, <laughs> so right. you have the detective to actually get them in the file to begin with. And then <laughs> if they're in there, they don't keep them that long just for murders and rapes. So, which is what I expected as well. Because if they kept all the notes on every single you know, little things yeah. from back then. So that's a lot, you know, um, even to like turn around and take all those files from back in the day and put them in some sort of digital form. That's right, a lot. Right. Of, interesting. Uh, so, it, you know, so at the very least, this is an interesting journey into what, what, what happens to your shit. When when yeah. <laughs> I, I'm worried about them digging up, you know, you can still dig up my, my Corey record and, and, 
Yeah, of that stuff they keep, but in in terms of the investigative notes that come up to that, I guess they don't keep that stuff. It's not important. Right. Right. Interesting. All right. Yeah. But I'll, I'll so, go uh, out and um, see if we can get any records. Unbelievable. Thank you. Yes. I, I know that that for New Hampshire, they uh, on their website they have a um, a request form that you can fill out, but it's got to be notarized. So I'm going to do that and send it in, but. Um, most of their stuff, if they have it, is up in Hazden Drive in Concord, whatever that, that where all their state offices are. Mm-hmm. I do know if that there's information in New Hampshire, it, that's where they would put it. When I called Nashua, they looked you up, and they said, oh, this is a fugitive from justice. Oh, really? For, yeah, for armed robbery. I said, that is correct. <laughs> and... Um, and she said we were just we were just um, intervening for the state police, like you had said. Yeah, I yeah. I don't, I don't. But Sprinkle, no. But Detective Sprinkle had he charged Dad. He charged Dad with the. I don't know if he charged him with the first robbery, but he was charged with carjacking. He was charged with the fake insurance robbery. Um, so, so the Nashville Police Department did arrest Dad. The, uh, Detective Sprinkle went down to get Kev, so there is got to be stuff about Kev in that I, same computer. I didn't ask about them. I just asked about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's what we, right? we don't need the stuff on them. They want to cooperate. No, your, they you. want anyone. No, Dad or oh, Kev. Okay. All oh, of it. Okay. They want all oh, of it. Cause, cause, well, I'll need their birth dates. I know that. But I, I, when easy, I think I'll, I, request, I'll request it for all three of you. Kev was five twenty-seven sixty-seven, and I always have to look up Dad's year. I can never remember. Dad is um, four seven. I want to say forty-two. Let's see if I'm right. I have. I still have his license, and I have his social security card. That guy didn't throw shit away. Um, and I have to put on my glasses to look at it. God damn! I hate being old. Um, Tell me about it, Brian. 42. Yeah, I got it. 4742. All right. So there are the okay. date, the, those are the date of birth. Um, you know, you have the relative dates around there. But, I, you know, I think it's just a matter of them typing it in. And then from there, it, let's get that. I would love to get that stuff. Like, could they print out Fugitive from Justice? This is what we did. The state police picked them up here. Because it, it might give us some way to backtrack to get more specific on dates of the robbery so that then I could go and look at newspapers and say, hey, we might not have been caught for this robbery, but this robbery happened because I found it in this newspaper saying person was robbed of stuff. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? So so it might help me. uh, And my God, thank you. This is so fun, and I want to keep chronicling this. So as when I come up to New England, uh, maybe we can – you'll probably work and you'll be working by then. Um, Maybe we can – I don't know, pop around to some of the offices or you can just give me a list of places you want me to go see that you couldn't get information that maybe I could only get. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll bring the death certificate. So yeah, absolutely. I'm coming up um, probably mid July. I'm hoping to do some comedy dates. Um, I know there's some, uh, there's some rooms I can get, I can get on. There's some shows I can get on. So plan to have me then. Yeah, absolutely. So we will let's call this part one of our conversation. Let's do this again. Uh, you know, the audio issues aside, this was a real fun time, and I'm going to put this episode up right away. You are? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm going to edit it a little bit. Like I said, there were some audio issues. I hear, I, I hear a little background noise from the cell phone come on every once in a while, like the stumping, and I hope you won't be able to hear it when I put the recording up. But like I said, because we're not right in front of each other, this is hard to do. And our other option is to do a video um, episode. Okay. Well, so we could be yeah. kind of like on a Zoom call talking because we're both beautiful. I mean, people should look at us while we talk. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't really want to see. Oh, all right. Um, so let but, me know how things go. Go ahead. I haven't even scratched the surface. Well, I know that's what I mean, but it, you know, that's it's about the length of the episode that I want right now. And uh, I want to continue the conversation. So you are absolutely invited to uh, part two of being co-host. Nobody's gotten that honor yet. So let's, I don't know, we have a week. Um, see what you can dig up. See what, and, and let me know. Any expenses, please let me know about and I'll pay. Like gas is ridiculous right now. So we have to do anything or go anywhere. Uh, let me know and we can expense it out for you. Oh, I'll be sending you the bill. Don't you worry. All right. Well, I'm not going to pay it, but you just send that along. <laughs> You will pay. I know you're I know where you live. <laughs> right. All right. I got to go. So um, I will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Bri. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. I'm already forgetting what numbers we've called. I think we've called four. two and four, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So a number that is one, three, five, or six. Six. I heard six. Ladies and gentlemen, number six is who? Brian Tobolinski! So, Michael King Dealer has a punch card system. <laughs> you guys have been Walkbuster, right? Like every five videos, you get like a, a, a Pixar short for free. That was Michael King Dealer. You know. <laughs> you guys stretching your counts? Oh, oh snap. Get your feet off the fucking stage. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid, man, um, whenever my mother needed oil, I don't know about you, but she went under the sink for it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this does not instill freshness in my mind. Like, when you go to Olive Garden, you're like, hey, I'll have the uh, fried ravioli. They're like, hey, somebody get the olive oil under the sink. This guy wants to eat. So I feel, I feel like we've come a long way, right? I don't feel like they keep it there anymore. I feel like at this point, they keep it in the bathroom. Guys, the point is, Change your fucking olive oil. <laughs> Heart disease is no joke. No joke. Like, she's got her hand on your inner thigh and you're covering your nuts. I don't know what's going on here, guys, but you should have swiped right. Or is that bad? What's left? What do you mean you don't know? You just did it. I never knew my father. Do you know who that is? That's Bruce. Yeah, you know. That's Bruce from Finding Fucking Nemo. Right? Can you imagine if Nemo came up and was like, I have a door. I have an idea for a fish tank. 
I need, I need 50 million. <laughs> and you would know that he went through because he'd be like, fish your food. No friends. I fucked that up too, man. Can we go that Amen. Yeah. 